So good morning to you. I want you to know that there are like at least about 500 live connections. That's TVs watching the service live at this moment in time. So could you please say hello to one another? Uh, before we jump into the second part of uh, the message series, the skill uh, a series on skills, rather, spiritual skills everyone should seek. I wanted to also add to Sharice's uh, uh, commentary uh, on youth uh, for Mandela Bay PE. Uh, there was a citywide all churches youth event here on Friday and Saturday, and we've given them the evening service tonight also. And it's especially wonderful that churches are working together. And it's especially wonderful that we can share and open our space to one another. And I also want to say that Matt, who is now leading that space, it having been passed on to him by the team at Warmer Methodist, is doing an amazing job. And so I just wanted to compliment. And I'm looking forward to being here tonight uh, to hear uh, how it goes and what they're sharing and the worship. I feel like marinating Matt in um, tonight's, uh, tonight's ministry. And um, Dave uh, and uh, Mark, rather, Davidson is um, sharing the word tonight. So if you're in Mandela Bay, it's going to warm up by then. I'm speaking it in faith in the name of Jesus. I wanted to talk to you this morning on part two of the series, uh, the skills that every uh, believer, every person should seek, part two. And today I want to talk to you about the skill of getting unstuck. Now, at first glance, one might think that getting unstuck means when you unravel, but I don't mean it in that sense. I mean it in the sense of where do we go forward from here? Have you ever been in a situation where whether good news or bad news, you got stuck at a certain place in your life and the way forward seems unclear. Sometimes it's bad news. Something happens, she leaves you or she said no. Sometimes it's bad news. A tragedy happened. A business is lost. A loved one is lost. Sometimes it's bad news. The dream you had hoped for didn't materialise and you're stuck. Sometimes it could be good news. When something so remarkable happens, you say to yourself, it'll never be as good as that. That was the, it'll never get better than that. And your most remarkable moment seems to be something that you have a photo of from your past. But actually, the Bible, Bible believing, Bible believing believers. That seemed like a lot to say. Can't we just be believers? The, a believer has the anticipation that there is a way forward from wherever you are. And it bothers me tremendously that we seem to invite Jesus to our situation and He always comes, but we seldom go when He invites us to His plan for our lives, a way forward. Sometimes you get that infinite loop feeling that you've been here before, that you thought you were past this, but you're stuck. I can't believe I'm back here again, having the same prayer again, having the same argument again, deleting the same person or Facebook again. I made a terrible mistake in trying to convert some of my friends, inviting them from 
Instagram to the all new threads. Oh, you don't, you don't care? And accidentally unfollowed a friend. Then I, yes, I know, then I had to phone them and say, that was a mistake. We're good. They were like, I went through this agony of, like, am I one of George's toxic friends? And he just randomly decided this morning, unfollow. Sometimes you find yourself stuck in a rhythm or routine that you can't seem to escape. Not so long ago, I had some construction done at my home. It reminded me of how loops can so easily happen. I have this theory about builders. If you're a builder, please forgive me. But I have this theory that each trade passes on the responsibility to the next trade. So here's what I mean. They built a wall. Years ago, I said, the wall is not straight. The bricklayer said, no problem. The plasterer will fix it. And the plasterer came and he plastered the wall and I looked down the wall and I said to him, it doesn't look straight. He said, don't worry. The painter will skim it straight. The painter came and he skimmed it and he painted it and I said, I gotta be honest, doesn't look straight. Guess what he said? Well, the builder built it. Skew. So I'm the loser and everybody else just blamed it on everyone else. So often you have to be careful that what you think is gonna fix it going forward may land up just catching you in the infinite loop. When people tell me, if I'm just in a relationship, I'll feel good and I'll feel right. And then the relationship people say, if we could just have a kid or our own house or our own business, and you keep moving the goal forward of your joy, peace and happiness, only to find that you came all the way back to the beginning, that there is something in you that is missing and Jesus can heal it. Jesus can heal it. In Hebrews chapter 12 from the Amplified uh, Bible, it says this. Cut through and make smooth, straight paths for your feet that are safe and go in the right direction so that the leg which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather may be healed. I really love this passage of Scripture for a few reasons. One of them is the implication that just praying for a lame leg isn't enough. That you have to pray for a lame leg, but also give that leg a straight path. I seriously considered naming this message, don't be lame. Although that might, that, you know, but that sounds a bit aggressive, like when you put it on your YouTube, like join us for church this morning, titled by Pastor George, don't be lame. It just seems a little dramatic. But I do wanna say, don't be lame. And there are things, not only that need healing in us, but there, are, uh, there is a setup that we could do. This scripture reminds us that if you had a straighter path that went in the right direction, with less rocky road, then your healing would uh, be sped up. I guess I did put don't be lame somewhere there, didn't I? Well, to go to, through that conversation, I want to take you to a moment in a disciple's life where Jesus uh, uses his own uh, feeling of being stuck uh, to teach us all a lesson. That disciple is the one who disappointed Jesus, Peter, by denying him three times. I've titled this part of my message, Come for Breakfast. 
And I want to suggest to you that I'm going to encourage all of you to use that phrase more often. But let me explain it first. We need to be phoning one another from time to time and saying, come for this kind of breakfast. In John chapter 21, the story goes like this. But when morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And they cast, uh, and they cast it and, uh, 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 and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Fish, fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid out uh, on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. Simon Peter went up, dragged the net to the land full of large fish, 153. And although uh, there were so many, the net was not broken. And Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you, Lord? Knowing that it was the Lord. And Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. So that they had enough uh, eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? This passage of scripture is that moment in Peter's life when Jesus fixes a problem. And it's a huge passage of Scripture. I'm sure in reading all of that, lots of memories of other parts of the Bible came to mind. Remember the time they were in the boat and cast the net on the one side and caught nothing, and then Jesus said, cast it on the other side. By now, a memory should be sparking in Peter. I've been here before. I've had this conversation before. Then he pulled the net and it was so full. Last time it nearly tore, but this time it could handle it. Peter, last time you nearly broke, but don't worry. Next time you won't break, you can handle it. Children, have you got bread? That must have stuck in his mind. We're not children, we're men, we're adults, we're disciples, we're apostles. We've even got apostle business cards. Just taking a dig at them TV types. They're not children, but I, I remember, Peter would have thought to himself, I remember that phrase. Have you bread to feed my children, the 5,000? We have nothing, send them home to eat. You give our children bread. You find bread and you find fish. That must have sparked a memory. Peter, do you remember the miracle that I did for the others through you? I will do for you. And what, what you did in the hands of others, I'm going to do in your very own hands. Bring what you've got. I'll bring what I've got. Have breakfast with me. And when Peter will have thought we helped others and now there's nobody to help me, Jesus will have healed his heart and said, what you did for others, I have a remembrance of. I will repay you and do for you. It must have been a remarkable moment. And then to simply sit down, and it was awkward. This Bible verse tells us it was awkward. 
I'm sure you've had awkward conversations with someone, either been in the company of someone who's hurt you and you still feel hurt or been in the company of a situation that's frustrating or you go to work and it's awkward because there's something going on there. It was awkward. Nobody wanted to ask Jesus if it was Jesus. They were filled with all these doubts, but somehow hope at the same time and disappointment, but also anticipation. And then Jesus just simply looked at him and said, let's strip all of that away. Peter, I love you. Do you love me? And somehow in that moment of transformation, Peter lost his fears and got renewed again in his faith. And sometimes we get stuck. And one of the most valuable skills we could possibly learn spiritually is how to be unstuck and start moving forward. Things go wrong. It's not even a prophecy. It's just the condition of life. Things go wrong in a church. Things go wrong in a family. They're the same. Things go wrong in a business. Things go wrong in your heart. Things go wrong. Sometimes things go so right, you think it's about you, you know? And then you can't repeat it. Oh, I've been there. As a preacher, any preacher will tell you. You read this one Bible verse on one Sunday and five people cry. And you say to yourself, next Sunday, I'm gonna read the same one. And you bring the fire and people look at you wondering whether you are human, alien or foreign. There's a temptation to want to repeat something and keep lingering on some historical moment. But now it is time to let Jesus take you to the next season of your life. You have to get unstuck from this thing and you have to move forward. And Jesus is the ultimate leader because we have been instructed to follow. Follow me, Jesus says, again and again. Take up your cross and follow me. That first passage of Scripture about not being lame gives us some idea about why we might get stuck. All four of these I have personally experienced. In. I'm fairly confident you live long enough, you'll also have experience in all of these. I've, I've been lame because I chose a rocky road. Have you ever been there? Ever chose a rocky road and it lamed you in some kind of way? maimed you in some kind of way. I'll never forget this. I want to use myself as an example today on this one. I'll never forget saying to a friend, probably five, no, 10 years, maybe 20 years ago. 20 years ago. One of the hardest decisions of my pastoral life was to say to a close friend, I will not officiate your wedding. You two will not work. And I very nearly lost the friend but it was so turbulent. I mean, I, it, it wasn't that I was a prophet. Literally three days before the wedding, they had broken up. Like, it's not like uh, it was close and I was the, you know, the, the, the hand that tipped the scale. And I should, They had broken up three days before, like threw stuff out the balcony on the road. Like, it was just not. And now I'm gonna stand before God and say, Lord, thank you for bringing these two people together in Jesus' name. So I was like, you, you guys need to just pause, go on therapy, go see a pastor, go get deliverance somewhere, and then start again. They got married anyway. And five years later, three years, one year, it was one year, one year later, they were like, we are done. And I remember meeting my friend that a year afterwards and going, 
you look a little broken. And him going, I've had a long walk on a rocky road. And I really want to encourage you, if you've had a long walk on a rocky road, Jesus is your guy. He will take you from there and put your feet on the King's Highway. And He will lead you to paths you never anticipated were possible. And that which is lame will be healed. Let Him cut a straight path out for you. Can you say amen to that? I know it's cold, so I appreciate every clap. I'm aware that it it means taking your hands out of a warm place and putting it uh, at service of the Lord in a cold place. (laughs) Secondly, I've been lame. I'm using that term in both senses, right? I've been lame because I've been about things that produce a low result. What do you get out of that? What do you get out of staying in something that just doesn't produce? Whether it's an attitude or a resistance or an arrogance or an unforgiveness, it produces no results. It's that tree that Jesus came to and said, this is bearing nothing. Take it out and put in its place something much more fruitful. It's damaging to your heart and soul. You get stuck when you keep pushing at something that is unfruitful, when Jesus has something more fruitful in mind. I've given up trying to convince some members of my family that faith is is worth living. I've realised that it vexes my spirit, annoys and upsets me if I try too hard. I have to leave it in God's hands and follow the path the Lord has called me and love the relationship I have with Him. Stop fighting broken stuff and start investing in growing stuff. It's lame to be on a rocky road and it's lame to do low result things the rest of your life. Sometimes I'm lame because I'm invested in a poor relationship. And for the sake of time, I'll tell you number four too because I've got some solutions and I want to focus on Sometimes I'm lame because I have uncontrolled repetition. This is what I mean by that. This annoying thing that every human being has of wishing they could get past a certain thing. I don't mean the fridge when it has cake in it. I mean, the unforgiveness when you see the one you're angry with, you know, the heart beating. I mean, the getting back into worship when you're hurt with God. I mean, that repetition of something you feel is out of your control. Jesus is your guy. He's going to take you from that place to a place of victory and of healing and get you unstuck. You do not have to build the rest of your life in a temporary destination just because you're there now doesn't mean the rest of your life has to live itself out there now. You can be unstuck from it and your the lame can be healed and the road can be straightened and you will one day also say that He has made crooked paths straight for me and levelled off every high hill and lifted up every low valley and made straight paths for my feet. Straight paths for my feet. I thought in the humour of don't be lame, I thought maybe I should title the three things we should do to, to be healed, don't, going from don't be lame to, uh, don't, uh, to being a legend. But, but I thought that's dramatic. So maybe, maybe I'll call them three things that'll make your path level. Is that okay? 
from lame to level rather than lame to legend. But let me tell you, if I was preaching in the 6 p.m., I full on would have called this message, don't be lame. And I full on would have said, be a legend. So I'm gonna treat you the same right now this morning. Don't be lame, be a legend. <laughs> Is that an amen? All the people who are supposed to be amening that are in Warehouse One right now which is where I encourage you to go after the service. There's electricity and pancakes there. <laughs> the first one is the South African joke. <laughs> three things in the five minutes or so that I have. Three, three things on how to get unstuck and follow Jesus. And they're all a little, um, they're all a little, um, you'll see. I might have to apologize for one of them. It's number, it's number two. The first one is live an unreasonable life. Faith calls for living an unreasonable life. What I mean is, if you live your life on whether it makes sense or not, you're gonna get stuck. Love doesn't make sense. Faith doesn't make sense. Living in PE doesn't always make sense. But then again, living in South Africa, on the planet, you might as well be Elon Musk, move to Mars. I mean, when the rich people want to change planets, you got to know it doesn't make sense. Forgiving someone seven times, 70 times, seven, I don't know how many sevens are involved there, but it's not sixes. Forgiving doesn't make sense. Tithing or sowing or giving or generosity doesn't make sense. Worshipping doesn't make sense. Raising your hands as a grown man or a grown woman in an old warehouse doesn't make sense. But the best beauty in life is when you leave behind what you're trying to calculate and you throw yourself into the unreasonableness of the beauty of following that which can't be calculated. You didn't marry the person next to you because you did a mathematical calculation about all the people in the world and settled on that. You married that person because you are unreasonably in love with them. And when people told you, this doesn't make sense. You like rock and she likes classical. You said, I don't care, I love her. You were not reasonable. I might tell you that when you were a sinner, you were an unreasonable sinner too. Unreasonable. You tithe, but at a different altar. No, you did. It was a castle, not a temple. So don't go be acting like this is new. The preacher was a bartender. And the fellowship afterwards was also full of joy. Was it? It was unreasonable. I want to encourage you, if you want to get unstuck, stop reasoning for it. Stop analyzing it. There isn't a pros and cons list for living. It is a step of faith. Luke chapter nine, verse 23 says, then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it 
to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost. You see, to gain your own life is to build it, put it together the way you want. To gain the right kind of income and gain the right kind of partner and gain the right kind of house and gain the right kind of friends and you hold your life your way. But unreasonable living says, I'll lay down my life and I'll receive the life that God has for me. It is unreasonable. It is also beautiful. There is no greater beauty than living unreasonably. Unreasonably. Love unreasonably. When somebody doesn't deserve it, love them. It's beyond reason. Okay, okay, said enough. Write a book. Number two. Uh, live expansively. Now you might think, well, how is that offensive? Well, let me tell you what I really want to write as my title, as my thing there, and then you'll see. Live expansively, not inclusively. In a world where inclusion is the current value of maturity, be careful. I don't want to be inclusive in the worldly sense. If you want to pop off an email to me, my email address is Vince at... <laughs> no. So let me tell you what I mean. I'm, I don't want to live... I don't want to live inclusively. I want to live expansively. Here's the difference. If I have a dining room table with 12 seats, I want, to, I want Jesus at the head of the table and I want to include every man and woman I can find to get a seat at that table with Jesus at the head. I want people with every background identity, uncertainty, insecurity coming to see Jesus. What I don't want is to be sitting at the head of my own table and then wanting to be inclusive. I've got to have one from this race and one from that, one with this disability and one with that ability and one with this identity and one with that identity. And then I sit back and act like I'm a big deal because I'm inclusive. That is going to get you stuck. But what I would like is one of all of the above at a table where I'm hosting Jesus Christ as its head because He will unstuck every one of those people and get them going on the destiny and the future that God has in mind for them. Live expansively. The time has come to invite some people we haven't seen in a while for breakfast and to say, we love you. Do you love him back? It's an awkward conversation, but we can't just simply ignore the fact that some people aren't in their seats or aren't in their hearts worshipping because they're stuck. They got stuck. They lost a spouse. They lost a child. They lost a business during COVID. They lost confidence in the church. They lost confidence in life. Some people are stuck because they felt they could do things just as well alone as in community. And for now, it's going fine, but they're stuck. And we have to be willing to live expansive lives. We have to say to people, I miss you at the table. Peter, come have breakfast with me. 
Let's fix this. He didn't just do it for Peter. Where's Thomas? Jesus said once. He popped into the room and he only counted 10. The 11th one, long story. Where's Thomas? I'm coming back later. You guys need to find Thomas. Hey, Jesus, Thomas is not in a good space right now. He's been listening to some guys online and he doesn't think we landed on the moon and he doesn't think you're real. Okay? Just get him here. Invite him for breakfast. It was communion in that story. And let him work it out. Let him touch my hands and my side. We'll figure it out. But what you don't do is pack his chair away. That you don't do. Because today it's Thomas who's stuck. And on another day it's Peter who's stuck. And sometime in 2022 it was George who got stuck. And somewhere along the line we all get stuck. That's why you've got to follow Jesus, not because he's trying to make you chase him, but because he doesn't want you to get stuck in some place. He wants you moving forward. Did we survive that point two okay? Can we move on to point three and we'll be good? It's going to be a fun one, point three. It's a little dip into psychology maybe, but I think it's originated in the Bible anyway. Everything good is. Displacement living. So if the first one is uh, to live unreasonably and the second is to live expansively, then the third is to live by displacement. Here's what I mean by that. Displacement theory is the idea that something must replace something else in order to change the overly used word narrative of your life. You see, the reason why Jesus must be Lord is if he isn't, something else will be. You understand what I mean? Is that, that, that was a revival from the back row. I, just, I, I want the saints in the front to know that you got beaten. <laughs> you got beaten by the saints in the back. But you see, people think, uh, well, you know, there's this weird obsession that Jesus must be Lord. The church is trying to sort of, it's a brainwashing thing. Well, I want you to know it's not, it's a form of washing, but not of the brain. It's of the soul. Because we are, you know, when people, correct me later, uh, therapists online, Alan, all the guys, CP, uh, when people tell me they feel empty, I don't take that literally. They are not empty. What, what they have is it's occupied by a feeling of depression or emptiness or anxiety. But what you're not is empty. What you have is something else. What you need is Jesus Christ. What you need is Jesus. But what you have, so now you got to, you have to, you have to expel the one in order to, you have to displace selfishness in order to receive sacrifice. You have to displace it. You have to displace anger in order to live love. And you have to displace 
fear in order to live faith. You're stuck because something is in charge that should not be in charge. You have become the servant of something that you ought to be mastering. Now, when, when, when something masters you, it's not that, that you should be mastering. It's not difficult to describe. You know, some of you, you've got lawns at home that are masters over you. What I mean is you just can't bring yourself to sort it out. And every day you, know, you walk past it, you know it's there, you're like, oh, I'm ashamed. How did we get here and where do we go from here? I don't know. I don't know where we go from here. It's that gnawing feeling of an unfinished thing. Then you've been mastered by something you should be mastering. So today I want to encourage you to put him in charge of places that, that you've kept to yourself and watch him unstuck you and that's terrible grammar. It's English, terrible. Watch him unstick you. <laughs> no, because it doesn't, I know to free you, but it doesn't play with the, the joy of my, I don't know, I'll ask chat GTP later. But what you need to do is let him lead you from where you are because if, you, you, you know, okay, I'll end like this. I'll end like this. You put people in a forest without a compass, guess what they do? Walk in circles. And you put people in life without a compass, guess what they do? Walk in circles. You need a Bible to tell you where true north is. That's it. Not that hard. Would you please stand with me? Let's pray. I'll read the verse relating to that as we stand. I'll just read the verse, Jeffrey's Bay, and then Lloyd can take you on from there. Romans 14 says, verse 13, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put an obstacle, or a stumbling block or an obstacle in the way of any brother or sister. Let's live lives free from obstacles. So I want to invite you to just take a moment to, um, for prayer, personal prayer. And the idea in this moment is to just be able to, first and foremost, acknowledge, I feel a bit stuck in an area. And the people up front here are actually here to be able to pray this prayer personally with you. Uh, so if at the end of the service you feel, man, I'm so close to like that little breakthrough, I just need to, I need to pray with someone. You come to these men and women up front. They are legit. They are legit. Legends. That'll make level paths for the lame leg. So let's pray. Lord, will, will you please set us free? Unshackling the chains that ensnare us. We think of that scripture in Hebrews that says that, the, that sin can so easily ensnare us like a trap and hold us in one position, not willing to let us move on, move forward and make our way. Where do we go from here? Well, we'll go wherever you lead. Wherever you lead, we will follow. In the name of Jesus, I thank you that everyone who feels stuck will be set free. 
And I pray, Father, that we will recognize the need for your Lordship over our lives so that we do not become slaves to other masters. And teach us to be unreasonable, to go beyond reason and follow in that extraordinary space of spiritual miracles. Give us the confidence to have this kind of breakfast with people we love, with one another. Let's fix it and let's go forward from here in Jesus' name. And everybody said, would you give God one last shout of praise and thanksgiving?